This is Straight Ahead with the 606 Club of London and David Lewis. Mais uma vez 
pode falar. Todo mundo junto, vídeo. Tem que suar. Vamos nessa. Um, dois, três. I hear anyone else moaning about this beautiful weather that we're having right now after the awful start that we've had to the summer, they'll have me to answer to. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Welcome back to this week's 606 Club Straight Ahead show. We started off with a track, the title track in fact, from a recently re-released album from Marcos Val, Estralar was the track we just listened to. So if you've not got that album in your collection, now you can so do because it's just been re-released and I think digitally and on CD as well. Let's carry on in the Brazilian flavours now with our house band, the Latin Jazz uh, quintet Samara who are back on stage this coming Friday from nine o'clock as ever featuring the wonderful and gifted vocals of Luna Cohen and here is Luna on one of her own albums with Follum Bell. Liquidificador 
just listened to from one of her own albums she's down at the club this coming friday with the house band samara and of course on stage also on flute and alto sax will be steve ruby so last week we started playing the brand new single the second single from caroline vane an american now based in london and had great response i think it's getting good action as well digitally here it is casual love Why don't you stop lying to yourself? You know I'm not the one you want. Please don't expect me to hang around and watch you have your fun. Cause I don't want your casual love.
it's a very busy week down at the club this week. We've got uh, five gigs going on. We've already heard from Samara with Luna Cohen. We've got Jason Bello with us, Alex Garnett and Tina May, all of whom have been on the show, I've just realised. So all those interviews are still on Mixcloud if you want to go and re-listen to them. But uh, as this show goes out, just wrapping up at the club will have been a gig by Phil Ayres and Détente. So let's listen to Phil and his version of Inner City Blues. Thank you. 
I have been lucky enough to be down at the club to see Philaire's detente many, many times. I know it would have been a great gig. And guys, I hope you had a wonderful evening this evening. Our guest on the show this week is trumpeter Yaz Ahmed, and we're going to be hearing from her very, very shortly. But uh, next to play is uh, somebody that we had on the show a few months ago, American pianist Lisa Hilton, here with a track from her latest album, and this is Karma Chaos.
And don't forget busy as it is this week. It is now the full summer season and we've got the weather to prove it finally. We are returning once again to Fulham Palace for Jazz on the Lawn. There's two gigs going on over the weekend of Friday the 13th of August. You've got Polly Gibbons on stage and then on Sunday the 15th of August, Wayne Hernandez. Tickets are on sale now and you can get those obviously over on our website, 606club.co.uk. So I mentioned a little while ago that one of the guests, one of the artists we got at the club this week is singer Tina May. And she's with us this coming Sunday, the 25th of July. Here is Tina uh, with a track taken from an album where she recorded the songbook of Ray Bryant. And this is Swinging My Life Away. I'm not hot, done, cool philosophy anything. My advice may liberate your voice and help you sing Be a cat who isn't scared to scat, just do your thing Keep singing, digging, rhythming, let it swing Let it groove or it'll never move me, I was told Don't care what Cuban agenda, blue monk, anything If I feel it, baby, I can mean it When I sing Without, don't doubt it Really, you don't mean a thing Then I knew that every word was true And how I smiled Saw the light It feels right Baby, you know that your life is a wonderful journey Now I know that jazz is where to go And I feel proud Day I've got something to say and sing out loud. I learn new songs, happy set of blue songs every day. I'm singing, swinging, swinging my whole life away. Thank you. 
philosophy or anything. My advice may liberate your voice and help you sing. Be a cat who isn't scared to scat, just do your thing. Keep singing, digging, rhythming, let it swing. Let it groove or it'll never move me. I was told, don't care what Cuban agenda, blue monk, anything. If I feel it, baby, I can mean it. When I sing, without don't doubt it, do you don't mean a thing. Then I knew that every word was true and how I smiled. It feels right, baby. You know that your life is a wonderful journey. No, I know that jazz is where to go, and I feel proud. Every day I've got something to say, sing out loud. I learn new songs, happy set of blue songs. Every day I'm singing, swinging, swinging my whole life away. Exchanges, changes, harmony that lets me play. I'm singing, swinging, swinging my whole life away. Time now that we get to meet this week's guest, trumpeter Yaz Ahmed. We sat down a few weeks ago to record this interview, and she's got some fascinating views on music, very varied taste in music too, and that comes through in the music you're going to be hearing during the course of the show this week. But we're going to start off now, the first part of the interview, with a track of Yaz's that's called Pools. You're listening to me, David Lewis, and this is Straight Ahead, brought to you along with London's leading music venue every week, the 606 Club of London. If you want to know what's happening at the 6, check out the website at 606club.co.uk. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
So I mentioned a little earlier on this evening that uh, we were going to be having a guest with us, and it is Yaz Ahmed. Yaz, hello, welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. And thank you for spending the time with us. So fascinating, fascinating background and story you've got, which we're hopefully going to explore over the next 20, 30 minutes or so. So as I understand it, uh, you're born of British mother and Bahraini father, and the early part of your life was in Bahrain. Yep, that's correct. Yeah, I um, I lived in Bahrain till I was nine years old, and then that's when we moved to London, um, and that's when I started playing the trumpet, actually. And that was through a family member, wasn't it? It was your maternal grandfather? Yeah, that's right. He was a jazz trumpeter in the 50s. He played with John Dankwer, Ronnie Scott, uh, Tubby Hayes, and then he became a record producer for Philips Records and Pie. And, um, Pie records, my word, that's going back. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, he, I think he produced all of um, uh, Akabilt's records and um, he did quite a lot of work with Graham Collier and Harry Beckett. It's Terry, Terry Brown was speaking of, isn't it? That's right, yeah. So before coming over then, before the age of sort of nine, ten, you hadn't had any musical inclination at all? or? Um, well... <laughs> I mean, the only music experience I had was just listening really to music when I was a kid in Bahrain. Um, I mean, I had a recorder, <laughs> um, banged about on uh, my friend's piano and that's it really. But um, yeah, when we moved to London, um, the school I was at, they were offering uh, music lessons and, um, and I picked the trumpet um, because I knew that Terry played it and it seemed really cool. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, that's where the journey began. Out of the horns, I've got to say that the, kind of the three mainline horns, you've got the sax and trumpet that are cool. The trombone never quite kicks it on being a cool horn, does it? <laughs> um, yeah, no comment. <laughs> you probably can't say anything, you know, you'll be booed <laughs> off the stage. But uh, So what was your, then your musical education over here? Was it a formal education? Did you play like in county bands and so on and out of school curricular bands? Yeah, that's right. Um, so I went to the Merton Music Foundation in um, in Merton, Merton South London. Yeah. Um, Aunt is where you yeah. brought up. I was going to ask that question, right? Yeah, yeah. So I played in the all the youth bands, you know, the jazz orchestra, brass band, the concert band, and we did tours across Europe, which was really fun. Um, it's nice that uh, local communities wanted to see <laughs> these dreadful <laughs> kids bands but they loved it which is great um yeah and um yeah at school I mean uh I didn't the schools I went to weren't particularly musical so I think I was in a school brass ensemble of four which mm -hmm. um yeah <laughs> I didn't get much of an opportunity at school except for at the music center and then yeah I went to um Kingston University I did a degree in I know that yeah music and then I went to um the Guildhall School of Music yeah and I did a master's in jazz and that's which yeah. as, a, as a finishing school Guildhall's not a bad one is it yeah, yeah. Um, I must and why say did you choose that, Kingston out of interest? Because I would have thought you would have probably gone more the conservatoire route. Well, okay. So firstly, um, I wanted to study jazz at a music college, but I didn't have enough knowledge of jazz actually at that time. I didn't have any jazz lessons. The only um, jazz education I had was just from listening to music. And so I didn't have all the knowledge that you need for um conservatoire level so I just went to my nearest university which was Kingston and um, 
while I was there, I worked really, really hard at getting my jazz chops together. And um, I had lessons with Nick Smart before he was um, the head of jazz at the academy. And mm-hmm. um, Paul Eshelby, I had lessons with him. Um, as a, a poor student, he um, I babysat for him in return for trumpet lessons. Always good to trade. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that was my opportunity to work really hard and yeah, I got into the guild hall and, um, yeah, it was great. I had such a good time. So uh, as a, a youngster, you were obviously reading, I take it you, you'd learned to read and, at that stage. So, but it was just the, the was it the, the background knowledge of jazz that was really lacking at that point, that, which is why you didn't go to conservatoire then? Yeah, the background knowledge. Um, yeah, I just, um... I didn't have, I wasn't at that standard that they, you know, they were looking for, which is, I don't mind admitting. So, but you know, I worked really hard and uh, yeah, I got there in the end. So when you finished your master's, did you stick around London and begin to get onto the scene? Was that kind of how your musical career was progressing? Yeah. um, So I set up my own band and we played in little pubs with, um, you know, an audience of one and a man's dog or something. So (laughs) I've been there. I've probably been that man. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, paid my dues. I, you know, did all sorts of silly gigs and, you know, gigs um, with a DJ and all sorts of stuff. Um, But yeah, that's how I started. And, you know, uh, it taught me how to lead a band and um, how to write music. And, you know, that was the start. And obviously you develop from these little little steps of playing to, you know, no one, to, you know, to thousands of people. So the style of music you were playing back then, after you finished at Kingston and at the Guildhall, was it more of a straight ahead style of jazz you were playing at that point? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was very much into American jazz and I used to try and play in that style. Um, and then when I went to the Guildhall, um, we learned about Kenny Wheeler and Stan Saltzman, which, um, was so wonderful and, um, such a, uh, you know, like fresh air for me, you know, learning about these British musicians I didn't know about, which was great. Um, so yeah. And when I came out, um, I was still very influenced by, um, the American musicians, but. I was going to say, who were the ones that were influenced your styling at that age? Um, I loved Joe Henderson, um, Freddie Hubbard, Woody Shaw. I loved all those musicians. Um, but I suppose um, when I when I was sort of developing more of a, a sense of identity, I realised that trying to play in these styles was not true to me. You know, mm-hmm. um, what's the best way to say it? Uh, inauthentic. You know, I felt like I was. Your individuality wasn't being displayed, wasn't coming through. So you were feeling that you were playing somebody else's music, not your own. Exactly. So um, as one develops as a as a human being, you Mm -hmm. are aware of your identity. And um, I think for some time I felt very empty inside, and I realised that it was because I wasn't um, embracing my mixed heritage. You know, I kind of kept my Bahraini side quiet for a long time um and so when I started rediscovering my heritage that's when I suppose my personal um voice came through you know I started studying Arabic music 
um, you know, and listening to old recordings that I used to hear when I was a kid in Bahrain. Um, and um, the, I mean, there was one particular album that really stood out for me and made me realize that you can fuse jazz with Arabic music is um, an album called Blue Camel by Rabi Abu Khalil. And I only picked up this album because it featured my favorite trumpet player of all time, Kenny Wheeler. So, yeah, and that, that started the journey into this experiment, which, um, yeah. Now, I would have thought any new genre of music, and jazz, let's face it, can be accused of being preclusionary, of a staid or set in its ways. So when this young upstart comes along trying to blend together two forms of music that aren't seen as synonymous, was there resentment? Was there surprise? Was there any uh, kickback that you weren't getting gigs because it was an unusual style of music or not? Or was it welcomed? I think it was welcomed. Um, I think anything that is original and has a story um, that's unique and personal, I think people really like that. Um, you know, it's refreshing and, and um, intriguing, I suppose. I really like music that's personal um, and, you know, kind of um, think thinking outside of the box. And yeah, I think people, I think that's when people sort of started uh, being interested in what I was doing. So I've seen you on straight ahead gigs, but um, presumably uh, you're trying to get more and more as the gigs reopen, trying to get more gigs that are expressing you and your music and what you want to say, because you've got a hell of a voice that you're creating. And the, the fact that you're so diversified that you've done collabs with like electronic DJs, which again, in the jazz world, isn't something that most people would necessarily venture into, but you're not afraid to go headstrong and look at different forms of music. And I think I was one of those people until recently that I wasn't embracing the great music we've got from today. But it's only with talent like yours that we're going to develop this jazz into music for the future. Mm. Yeah, I think it's so important to be open-minded to all sorts of genres. Um, I was very stuck in my ways when I was younger. Um, even though I was I was brought up on uh, all sorts of music, um, my mom was a massive reggae fan and listened to a lot of hip-hop. Um, classical music, but yeah, when I was studying jazz, it was just one type of jazz. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, as I started working with other people, my um, my ears expanded, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I started to appreciate, um, you know, art rock, um, experimental, electronic music, and you know, all sorts of things. And and seeing, you know, a lot of this music is is really fantastic, but. You know, yeah, we get stuck in our ways, don't we? So a question, not meaning to throw a sidewinder at you at all, but if we were to look at your playlist right now, say, you know, on Spotify or something, would it be as diversified as I'm beginning to imagine? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 I tried to put some together um, recently and, yeah, nothing fits. You know, it's all like there's, you know, there's jazz, there's modern jazz, there, there'll be um, traditional Arabic music, there'll be... Um, something like Aphex Twin, you know, experimental electronic music or and classical music, everything, you know. Everything's in there. And yeah. with you, I assume, no, no, there's no limits, no bars. If you think that something can be brought into your world of music, you'll explore it, listen to it. You, you're a, a, obviously a prolific writer. So do, do you gain inspiration from listening to these other styles, genres and forms of music? Yeah, I mean, I find inspiration from all sorts of places. Um, but yes, definitely working with people who um, aren't, I suppose, associated in the in 
jazz, I suppose. Um, I've I've learned a lot, and I've I've been influenced by at least kind of like the way they compose music. You know, using um, music uh, programming, um, using the studio as a recording tool and a compositional tool. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, working with different artists and listening to this different type of music has, um, yeah, definitely changed the way I write music. Because I've, I've yeah, that's the interesting point. Because even from what I do on this side of the fence, since I've been involved so heavily with music and musicians, I listen to music on my time off in a very different way now. Sometimes I think it's taken away the pure pleasure of just being a fan. Because you're listening in a different context now. And I'm assuming that must be very much it for you now, that you don't just ever sit down and just, or very rarely, would just sit down and listen purely for enjoyment. It's always thinking, ah, I could, that phrase there I like, that styling I like. I'm guessing that's kind of where your brain would work. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, I try not to think like that too often. It's quite hard, isn't it, being analytical um so there will be some times where i do try and think you know um just just sit and relax and just let the music you know absorb the music think about it in a musical way um but yeah it's quite yeah it's hard to um separate yourself in in that kind of way but yeah really interesting question and again talking about the different kind of uh, associations that you've had i know you worked with tomorrow's warriors didn't you actually wrote a suite that was inspired by strong and courageous women and something I guess is very close to your heart and writing a suite now that's that's a big ask yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> I saw the shock on your face there you're still feeling the pain are you still recovering <laughs> yeah well I only had six weeks to write it um, wow. before the first rehearsal and um yeah because it was sort of like really short notice because we were waiting for funding to come through and we got it and it was just like, uh, Yaz, you have to go now. You have to write this music in time for, it was performed on International Women's Day um, in 2015. So yeah, it had to be really special music for such a great occasion. So yeah, I was under a lot of pressure, but um, I'm yeah really happy with the results and, you know, and there's an album and, you know, it won Jazz FM. Yes, uh, last year, you got two awards last year from Jazz FM, didn't yeah. you? So yeah. I, mean, I was going to mention that a little bit, which is great because obviously getting that kind of respect for the work you're putting out, that must feel great. When you put that much work, passion and heart into it, you, uh, it was Polamina, wasn't it? Voted Album of the Year and Jazz yeah. Act of the Year as well. Yeah. yeah, I'm so, so grateful. I mean, there were both um, public votes. So mm. obviously, you know, the fans, um, you know, something that whatever I'm doing is obviously resonating with the fans and they really like the music. So I feel like I, I'm doing something right. Um, yeah, it was very o overwhelming getting those awards because um, I, I kind of had an inkling that I was going to get one of them because I was asked to play. Um, but I didn't realise I was going to get a second one. And um, yeah, I tried not to cry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the second one was a complete surprise, was it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Because of course it was all on lockdown still, wasn't it, for those awards? Yeah, that's right. It was a very strange experience. It was um, it was at Ronnie Scott's and it was just, um, just three um, people who were nominated and they won awards. Um, and, you know, the the film crew and some of the people from Jazz FM. And yeah, it was very empty and eerie, but it was nice.
We finished off the first part of that interview from Yaz with a track from Anya Witter-Johnson, Crossroads, a track on which Yaz featured. And we've got more from Yaz and her music in a few moments' time. But first, let's feature Alex Garnett. He's back with us at the club this coming Saturday, I'm glad to say. And it's going to be a hell of a night of straight-head jazz. On bass, you've got Adam King, Matt Holmes on drums, and Deshnell Gordon on the piano. Again, Deshnell we had on right at the beginning of this year. In fact, it might be in the last show of last year. But uh, yeah, if you want to listen to me having a chat with Deshnell, BBC Young Jazz Musician of the Year, that interview is still up there on Mixcloud as well. But as mentioned, Alex is back with a hell of a lineup this coming weekend. So let's listen to the man now with Delusions of Grandma. Thank you. 
Still to come on this week's show, music from Jason Rebello, who is with us in a few hours' time on Thursday evening and towards the end of the show, a track from Kurt Elling along with the Scottish National Jazz Orchestra. It's time now that we're going to carry on with our interview with Yaz and we're going to start off with one of her tracks called Dawn Patrol. You're listening to me, David Lewis, and this is the 606 Club Straight Ahead Show. Listen online, on DAB and on smart speakers. Straight Ahead with London's leading music venue, the 606 Club.
How many live streams have you done then through lockdown? I have done one, two, three, four, and I've got a fifth one tomorrow. Are they getting any easier? Because every artist I speak to says, look, they've been great. We really respect what the clubs are doing and have done to keep us in front of people. But still, particularly with jazz, just getting to the end of the number and dead. <laughs> yeah, that's precisely it. Um, yeah, I've been trying to learn from each each experience. And yeah, that's what it is. It's like no audience and it just feels feels awful because <laughs> you need that audience for the interaction and it's like a conversation between you know the performers and the audience and uh, the audience also gives you confidence so it's kind of like yeah there's nobody to reassure you that the mm. performance went well um yeah it's very strange and also um as a trumpet player it's a very um physical instrument so when we practice obviously you know we're improving our stamina blah 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 but when it comes to a performance the energy we put into performing is very um it's heightened you know it's um so it's very hard to practice for a gig and meaning that we get quite exhausted you know on these live streams because we haven't been performing for so long the so, term gig fit has now become part of the parlance yeah, exactly and it's a really strange experience um that I've never felt for a long time, I think, or yeah, I mean, the last few years I've been touring constantly, so I've I've um, become really strong um, with my playing. Um, but yeah, the last few have just been really hard work, but you know, just get through it and yeah, hope for the best. <laughs> and, and you strike me as quite a determined person. So has practice through this period of time not been so much of a problem for you as it may be for others i'd imagine you're very disciplined and if you decide right i'm going to practice for three hours today it'd be a form of practice you're not you're going to be working on is that kind of how you go about it yeah um so yes i practice as much as i can um and i have been practicing every day but it's the motivation that's really tough mm, you know? mm. when you have hardly anything when you don't have anything to practice for or something that's really really far away um it, it's uh it doesn't you don't really feel like going into the practice room and, and working but you know i i say to myself right you've got to do it you can't you know playing the trumpet is like being a bodybuilder you have to keep the strength um otherwise yeah the trumpet will win <laughs> which is the most physical part of it the, on the is it on the chops is it on the i imagine it's very brutal on the lips Mm -hmm. I would have thought. Yeah, it, it is. It's the facial muscles mm -hmm. and um, it's also learning how to use your air um, in an efficient way. Mm. Um, oh, so even so, cardiovascular, of course, it would affect that fitness, wouldn't it? Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, yeah, there's, yeah, it's, I think it's, yeah, muscular and learning. Yeah, you don't want to forget how you breathe. It's so important, mm. uh, the breath. It's like singing, playing the trumpet. So, yeah. It's very, um, yeah, it's something you have to keep working at otherwise. And, and a question so. I don't think I've ever asked a trumpeter before, talking about getting back to that point when I say I, it, this whole thing that I've involved in has changed how I watch music and listen to music. So when I'm very heavily involved with the sax, my daughter's a sax player, so, you know, she's gone off to uni, studied sax, jazz at uni. So that's kind of been my background. So I've watched from a close age and I watched the jaws of sax players because I know much tonguing is going on. What you can't see is so much of it. I'm assuming tonguing is a massive part of trumpet as well, yeah? 
Yeah, definitely. And it really affects um, the attack and the way you produce a note. You know, you can have hard tonguing, soft tonguing. Um, and yeah, that's something that's very important in, in practicing. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's always that what you can't see that it's the most and the more you look at musicians faces you see what's going on because as you said so much facial strength going on yeah which but is a big also, part of it mm, and there's also a lot that's going on with the tongue as well and the throat you know when you play high notes on the trumpet you think e and your tongue is curved up and when you play low it's r so your tongue is lower down yeah, so it's yeah, a lot to think about. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. And also, being a horn player, what's practising at home like? Is it tricky? I mean, I know you can mute your horn, which helps to some degree. At least it's not multi-vented, but uh, it's still not the most house-friendly of instruments, is it? Well, luckily, yeah, that's right. But um, luckily, um, I have um, a, a studio, um, a converted garage. So my garage. We all love a converted now. garage. We love yeah. it. Yeah. No, <laughs> Look where I'm sitting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm really, really happy and, and lucky that I've got that space. But yeah, I mean, where I used to live before, you know, in a little flat, I think. Yeah, I would have probably driven people up the wall. And, yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. I mean, neighbours can be patient for a time, can't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, of course, many artists uh, live for the moment that one of their tracks might get picked up on to be library music. And you kind of got picked up by a little company called Apple, didn't you, for one of their iPhone commercials? <laughs> yeah, that was quite cool. That and must be quite like, a buzz. I mean, yeah. you get picked up by a company. That's one of the cool ones, right? Yeah, definitely. So talk um, us through that. What happened then? Well, um, it was, okay, so a friend of a friend um, was uh, sort of curating uh, music for Apple. They were looking mm -hmm. for music um, for, um, to advertise their latest iPhone and people were, they were um, commissioning um, filmmakers to make little films. And the one they wanted um, music for was a film made by um, a film di director from Oman. And so they wanted Arabic music, Arabic jazz, and um, I was recommended. And yeah, they chose my track, The Shoal of Souls. And yeah, it, it, I think it fit really well. You know, the images are of a, a souk in Oman, you know, a market, and there's lots of bright colors. and. Um, yeah, so it goes really well, and yeah, it was such a buzz. It was really, really. I can fantastic. only imagine to see an apple, hear an apple ad with your own music on it. Must be quite the high. Yeah, it's great, and you know, and that led on to um, some um, other campaigns, um, so online campaigns where they just use the image of um, my album Polymnia for their latest watches and and iPods for um, for the Middle East side of um of apple which is great because the artwork on your albums is stunning are you responsible anyway for that um well um sophie bass who is the artist she was recommended to me um by my friend charlie who um signed me to name um when i released the saboteurs and um uh, we worked in a collaborative way um she she listens to my music and I send her notes about how each piece makes me feel kind of like, um, I make, I write a poem I suppose, mm -hmm. about each and she interprets that and, um, creates this just outstanding art that's so, uh, moving, you know, it's, 
Amazing. So, yeah. It's expressive and talked. I was speaking with, with this with somebody yesterday, actually, the way that album art is so much of an important part of the whole package of an album. It, it kind of expresses what you're about to hear and the feeling of it, doesn't it? And I think mm. clearly as much passion goes into that right at the last leg when everything's mixed and being off a mastering, sitting down there, and that must be like the final embellishments of, of the whole project, I guess. And in your mind, do you talk to him so I can see it's going to look like this and she extrapolates what you're thinking? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sort of like that, definitely. Um, yeah, we feed off each other with um, images and, yeah, she sometimes sends me sketches and uh, sometimes I, I think maybe she's, I don't know, psychic. She just gets all my my thoughts down, you know, correctly. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, she's a great, um, yeah, artist and a wonderful pairing. But I dare say it's like the well, the pairing that you get with other guys on stage. You, you know who you work well with, don't you? And if you're on a gig and you book certain guys to work with, you know that you're going to bounce off of one another well, feed off of one another's energy well. And I'm guessing it must be the same with her. So she's kind of part of your team now. Yeah, she really is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really, really proud of her. She's, um, yeah, she's become very sought after. You know, a lot of people want her to do her their um their album covers now oh yeah. your album art is lovely i was looking at it this afternoon it's it's submersive it really draws you in which is yeah. a, a thing of beauty so through lockdown did you manage to create much did you write much is there a load of music waiting to happen for us yeah i did um surprisingly um i mean yeah all my live work went and that was devastating but um, I did get um, a few commissions. Um, I had a commission from Adult Swim, which is an online channel, and um, they curate um, a playlist um, every month, I think, and, and they ask, um, they commission people to write music. And so I wrote a piece of music called Dawn Patrol, um, and that was created remotely. So I recorded trumpets at home and I did some programming and got a couple of friends to play drums and guitar from their homes. Um, I did, I wrote a commission for um, the Festival of New Trumpet Music, which is in New York, but they had to move everything online. So I did, wrote a piece for them and uh, um, we performed it. Um, my partner and I, Noel uh, Langley, we performed it, um, yeah, on, online. Um, and yeah, I wrote a new piece, um, for a little session I did for Jazz FM. Um, and I've had some, some new, com uh, new commissions come in as well. Um, one is for WOMAD Festival and the other is for, um, a festival in Monheim in Germany for next year. So yeah, I've been creating a lot and oh yeah, of course I've, uh, I, uh, released Polymnia Remixed, which I created my own remix. So that was another thing I created. And I think there's something you said earlier, I'm getting the impression you're quite deft in the studio as well from the side of point of view of ProLogic or whatever you happen to use. Would I be right that you enjoy that side of it? Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm not an expert, but I've definitely been improving my skills. You know, I've learned how to use uh, MIDI instruments and mm -hmm. uh, programming and editing and you know manipulating um found sounds i mean it's stuff that i've always been um interested in um but this this locked well these past three lockdowns <laughs> have given me the opportunity to um improve these skills you know so pro tools or logic which are you logic so you're an apple girl 
Yeah. <laughs> well, really should be, shouldn't you, with the, <laughs> what we mentioned earlier. Yeah, so, yeah. so it, yeah, in fact, I, I love studio time, so I could sit and nerd about that all night long, but I shan't. I know you've got things to be doing tonight. So, um, And I know you've been down at the Six. You played with Steve, you said, a couple of times down at the club, and uh, it's be lovely to think that things are lifting up that hopefully to get you back there sometimes, because it's a lovely club to play at, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and it's got such a history. Mm, which is the amazing thing. And all musicians say that they love playing the intimacy of it and the history that comes through. It seems to still be a musician's club. And online, um, you're super easy to find as well. You're, you're over on Bandcamp. I was having a good little look at you there today, which is yazamed.bandcamp.com. You've got your own website, yazamed.com. And Facebook, and of course, on Insta, Yaz Ahmed Music, you're there as well. So are things beginning to ease up for you now? Beginning to see some gigs tentatively booked in again now as we sort of sit and talking? Yes. Um, so, <laughs> yes, I have got quite a few European dates, which I'm uh, not quite sure how those are going to go. But yes, um, yes, I have dates. I mean, I have some UK dates, which hopefully those will stick. Um, but yeah, I am. I'm keeping optimistic. I mean, mm. we're, you know, um, the vaccine program, at least here is is very successful. And I just hope that um, you know, we can, you know, help help the rest of the world and get rid of this terrible virus. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So, I mean, it's changed everything, the way we thought about every, our, our whole concept and what we took for granted once, even as simple as going to a gig when we would choose to, let alone yeah. for you guys, you know, being used to playing. It all got taken away from us literally overnight, didn't it? But I think everyone I talk to seems to be just that little bit more optimistic now and also, not only optimistic, but seems to think they're not going to get cancelled again, you know, because last year it was stop, start, stop, start. Now it just seems, okay, there might be a few, but at least they're going to happen. They might be smaller, they might be distanced, but they're going to happen. So that's small steps back to some sort of normality. So, Yaz, thank you so much for your time. It's been lovely having you on the show. And just getting behind, I love people with energy. I love creative energy. It's just, you, you can feed off of it. And I felt that from you from the get-go. So, yeah, it's been really great having you on the show. And uh, hopefully... Your year is going to be full of gigs and touring yeah. and entertaining us again. Yeah, back to normal. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. It's been great to chat with you. Thanks so much.
just love it when you can hear the uh, influences from somebody's culture and background coming through in their music, as is very evident with Yaz and her music, as I'm sure you've heard on the show this evening. And that was Blue Camel that we just listened to there. So I mentioned that Jason Rebello is with us at the club and we have got a track of his ready to play next on the show this week. It's from his next time round album. I'm about to listen to By George. Straight Ahead with David Lewis.
By George from Jason Rebella, who's with us on Thursday evening this week from eight o'clock. And I remember clearly on the interview with Jason just how modest he was. For somebody that's uh, achieved so much in the industry, he was such a modest guy. And he's played with the likes of Omar, Carly Nansen, Brampton Marsalis, Wayne George, and of course, for many, many years, was also the pianist with Sting. And if you go back to last week's show, I played a track from that Tuscany gig of Sting's, and you'll hear Jason featured on that track. So it's coming towards the end of the month, of course, which means next week, straight ahead, will be myself and Joe Harrop will be finding out what Joe's been listening to over the course of the last month and having a good natter as well. So I hope you can join us then. And I mentioned a little bit earlier on in the show that we were going to be playing out with a track from Kurt Elling. It was sent through to me by Rob Adams. He drew my attention to this track. It was recorded with the Scottish National Jazz Orchestra during lockdown. They did a series of uh, lockdown recordings, video recordings, and this time they had Kurt Elling with them. And on this track, there's a lovely trade between Tommy Smith and uh, Kurt himself. Got a lot of time for Kurt. The man just swings, doesn't he? Many thanks indeed to uh, Yaz, our guest on the show this week. And uh, don't forget, check out Yaz on all of her various social media platforms so you know what she's up to and what gigs she's got going on. So we play out with the track from Kurt Elling along with the Scottish National Jazz Orchestra. And this is Courage Jeep On. Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy the heat wave. And I'll be back with Joe Harrop at midnight next week for more jazz and conversation.
Jason Rubello. Jason and his trio are with us at the club on Thursday evening this week. The gig gets going from 8 o'clock. He's on stage with his trio and it features UK bass player Orlando de Fleming. He's back from the States now. Promises to be a fantastic gig if you can get down to the club. And uh, it all gets going, as I say, from 8 o'clock. And for somebody that's achieved so much in the industry, I remember speaking with him and he's just so modest, so understated. And he's played with the likes of Omar, Carlin Anderson, Branford Marsalis, Wayne Shorter and Sting, of course. And in fact, we played a track 
that feature Jason on last week's show from Stings. If you want to go back and listen to that, you'll find it still up on Mixcloud. Many thanks indeed for your company over the last couple of hours and to our guest, Yaz Ahmed. Don't forget, go and check her out on all of her social media sites and see what she's up to and what gigs she's got coming up. And uh, it'll be the last week of the month next week, which means that I'll be back in the studio with the lovely Jo Harp and see what uh, she's been listening to over the last month. So you can look forward to me and Jo having a little bit of a natter and playing some great music. That's in a week's time. I mentioned that we were going to be playing out with something from Kurt Elling. I've got a lot of time for Kurt Elling. Lovely voice. Wonderful. Just swings. And this is a track that I was sent through by Rob Andrews. Rob, thank you so much for that. So it drew my attention to a track that uh, Kurt recorded along with the Scottish National Jazz Orchestra. So we play out on this week's Straight Ahead with Courage G Bond. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the weather. Don't be minding about it. And I'll see you at the same time next week with Joe Harrop for more great music and conversation. Free of trouble and free of strife 
I might not have thought it all through. But I'm not gonna spend the rest of my life sucking up to you. I got my plan, gonna see where it goes. And I bet you, by golly, it'll keep me on my toes. So I might not have thought it all through. It's a ride, I tell you, never comes to the end. It's your friend at the wheel of my very own ride. My Jeep on You, it looked really good too. They played the blues like nobody else. Yes, yes. Each one of these cats has a mother somewhere. <laughs> so lay it on them. Our trumpet section, Mr. Lauren Cowerson, Mr. Tom McNiven, Mr. Tom Walsh. Mr. Cameron J. Our trombones, Mr. Michael Owers. Mr. Kieran McLeod. Mr. Chris Green. And Mr. Phil O'Malley. Our reed section, Mr. Bill Fleming. Mr. Martin Kershaw. Mr. Rue Patterson. Mr. Conrad Wisniewski. Our fearless leader, Mr. Thomas Smith. Our great rhythm section, playing piano, Mr. Steve Hamilton. Playing contrabass, the ever-available, Mr. Callum Gourley. Holding it all down, holding it together. On drums, Mr. Alan Cusker. The Scottish National Jazz Orchestra. <laughs> My sincere thanks to one and all for making this lovely evening possible. I hope I get to hit with you again sometime very soon. Let's not make it another couple years. Let's just get right up on it. That's what it's for. Times are wasted. That is the number one theme of Western poetry. Darling, I don't know if you noticed, but time is flying. Any day now, we're both gonna be six feet under. So we should get to smooching now, honey. Let's get to it, baby. Time's a wasted. Don't put me on. You say no, you're going against nature. The gospel according to moi. Hey, listen, very sincerely, I appreciate the evening. 
It's a lovely time for me, and I hope I get to hit with you again very soon. My name is Kurt Elling. Good night.